Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Here we go again, Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark, vetgurus.com. At Vet Gurus, if you're a Twitter in person, if you like tweeting, Mark, and you like a bit of a tweet, don't you? I am given to a bit of a Twitter, you know, that, that what do they say, the um, bird website? Yes, but, well, you you do lots of tweets, don't um, undersell yourself there. You've, you've got more spare time than all of us combined, Mark. And you're tweeting left, right, and centre. So um, let's face it, you're addicted to it. Um, it is. I do find that form of social media to be like it's different how they play different roles that, um, and that the, how those roles change over time. So for Facebook, I use uh, Facebook Messenger to keep in touch with you and sort of my family. Um, post pictures on Facebook for mum. But Facebook's become like a real business. You know, a lot of our effort on Facebook goes into the the hospital aspect. Um, uh, You know, any photos that I really like, I stick onto um, Instagram. Um, And um, and Twitter is all about sort of, um, I don't know, politics with people that... um, that I don't, that I'm not closely connected to, but I'm a bit connected to. It's definitely a much more news and politics sort of website. So, yes, yes. I do occasionally lurk around on Twitter, Brendan. Yes, I um, I was looking at, I have a Twitter account from when Twitter first started, Mark, which I don't know how long ago it was, probably five years or so now. <laughs> Try 15. 15? Was it 15 years? God, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, Mark? Um, and same story with some of the other social media sort of startups that um, well, some of them went nowhere, but um, including um, I think Instagram I don't use. the My girls use Instagram all the time and uh, they said, oh, do you have an Instagram account, Dad? And I looked it up and it was, yeah, that um, I think I started up an Instagram account within the first six months of Instagram itself commencing and probably haven't used it much <laughs> since, Mark. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be time will tell whether these um, these um, social media uh, companies continue. You know, the obvious one there that's copying a lot of flack for good reason a lot, Mark, is is, is old Facebook um, with, with its um, information um, gathering um, techniques as you... They want to call them, yeah. So, um, and I try not to, you know, I'm not a particular fan of Facebook, but as you say, um, it, it's certainly at the moment it's something that you'd probably need to to keep and use um, and to help promote businesses um, and and um, all the youngsters, Mark, don't they? All these young young whippersnappers, they all like to use um, use. Um, 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 Facebook and, and Google and, and look on Google search and, and look on reviews and gee they can be manipulated very very easily um, all these things like reviews and scores um, for for your business and um, it's actually it's something we need to chat about 
in a in a future podcast, Mark. Um, <laughs> and I'll vent a bit. I will vent um, about some of these issues and and talk a little bit about um, well, talk a little bit about some of the nerdy stuff behind it that I'll that I've um, got a bit of an interest in and um, that I've um, done a little bit of work with in the past. So yeah, um, and and we, you're, you're, let, you you always um, lace those. Um, those uh, IT topics, particularly social media, with such a uh, excellent background in facts. Whereas I come to it completely, um, you know, without any idea and form my opinions without ev- any significant evidence. But um, the combination of the two brings us back to a relatively normal yes. average. <laughs> We're um, yes, um, you undersell yourself there, Mark, a bit. Um, although you are a bit of a troll, aren't you? Um, I must admit. Yes. So yeah, well, um, I think we're going to jump in because we've got lots of news stories to try and get through. Some of these news stories that keep accumulating, and a few reviews this week. Um, so there's no real main topic as such this week, Mark. It's more um, the news and the the review items of, of varying types um, because, yeah, otherwise things plug away and, um, um, you know, a bit of a up family update. You know, it's amazing how our listeners um, morbidly perhaps um, like to like to sort of follow um, what we're doing socially and how our families are going. And um, I've had more than one per- person come up to me um in the flesh, Mark, and say, "Gee, um, I love listening to the podcast, but it, it feels a bit weird. It's almost like um, we're, we're listening to a private conversation that we've tapped into Brendan and Mark chatting on the phone." Um, and I say, "Well, actually, that's a compliment if if you feel like it's um, you know you're part of the family too, and um, um, as long as you laugh at some of my jokes, I'm, I'm more than happy for you to keep listening to <laughs> us." So yeah, so um, yeah, so. Um, Sophie's plugging away, the younger one, um, in first year university doing biomedicine and um, she's actually enjoying it a lot more than I thought. So she's good on you, Soph, and um, she's having a good job of it. And Jane is now Jane is now at the stage of, so she's 22 and she's um, getting towards the end mark of, of her combined course of law and commerce and um She's heading towards um, wanting to continue with the law aspect and looking at um, internships um, once she finishes um, in in just over a year and um, has already had a had had some offers there. So um, it'll be interesting to watch watch how her career goes. And um, I'm quite looking forward to her um, supporting her parents um, with her. Um, lawyer's income <laughs> um, once we're once we're getting old and decrepit which well we're already there but um and she can look after us and um, um throw some money our way once she's a, a mega rich lawyer so what about your kids how are they doing well it's been you know it's an interesting parallel because they're they're essentially our our uh, our offspring uh um contemporaneous um my boys both uh, the same age, 22 and 20, both uh, at university at the moment. Uh, Wilson's the younger one, and he's doing uh, construction management and uh, plodding on through that course just nicely, getting some... So we want, So what, he wants to be a Lego master? It's, it's exactly where he's headed. What a That's great job. 
It's it's um, uh, in, I think uh, it's at the University of Newcastle UON, and uh, and um, in the School of Architecture, and it's one of the courses that has the um, the highest rate of employment at the end of it. So, Lego master it will be, and um, rent. So 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 what bit? I mean, that's a pretty broad sort of um title isn't yes. it there so what is it a bit bit like a combination uh, in between not not quite an architect but to, but what does he want to do it's sort do, of the, do write the plans or, or or designs design stuff or no, um, no, build stuff no, no or, it's or more both? like um project management it's sort of like okay, you know yep. uh, do a little bit of quantity surveying a little bit of um uh, you know sequencing trying to understand you know at, at each uh um, agency in the project, how they are going to be most efficiently integrated with the next one and what you have to do, what information you have to provide to each of the contractors or tradesmen to make sure that the thing goes through as smoothly as possible. Um, it's it's an, with, with some surprise, I say to you, Brendan, my son is doing a degree that depends a lot on organisation and, um, and, and I don't... <laughs> he got that from his mum. <laughs> I expect. I expect yes. you're right. And the other thing is that um, while our offspring have uh, had led roughly parallel lives through their first two decades of life, um, Ren's at the opposite end of his degree uh, to your elder child, um, who, um, because he switched, he did biomed like Soph, and uh, after a couple of years, he switched over to medicine. So he's right at the beginning of that degree, um, in Newcastle, yes. and um, and he's he's um, I was worried that you know um, that he might get into it and actually you know it not live up to all the his expectations, but he's loving it, so that's a great thing for our offspring. Well, you must tell me, Mark, and it, I'm not quite sure whether we mentioned it on air in a previous podcast, but you did say to me that um, you were looking forward to the to the night after we recorded that particular podcast of, of helping him practice his sewing technique or his or his suture technique because he'd been asked to help assist with his first suture of what was it a scalp or something it was but, but in, in a human but it got even more so interesting happened? than that because um the uh the 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 person who had the um much like your mole of some description that had to come off these um his scalp, um, he cancelled for that day and postponed. So uh, Ren was at a bit of a loose end, um, and uh, and he, the uh, doctor that he was with had a um, vasectomy to do. So Ren got to um, tie up one of the, <laughs> the uh, one of the use his suture tying skills to um, to uh, finish off the the procedure once it had largely been effectively done. Excellent. So from one end um, to the opposite. Um, and everybody exactly. there, I, I could say something you a did. little bit, a little bit else, but I, I won't go you, you there. You have a lot of stories it, about vasectomies that could <laughs> that could go in here. Yes, I do, I do, and most of them are personal. <laughs> yes, so um, yes, um, well, hopefully it all went well, and um, well, and and that um, he tied his knot correctly there, Mark. Um, so. Do you think you'll end up being a surgeon? Look, I, I, too early yeah, to too tell, early suppose, to tell. Yeah. But that's the you know the beauty of being young and having the world at your feet is that the choices are before you. And um, and while there's no doubt that um, those choices, uh, you know, 
make there's a lot of effort that goes into them um he's still at a stage where he's enjoying every bit of it and uh and yeah i don't think he's feeling tied to making a decision just yet but um i wouldn't be surprised that he pursues a surgical pathway excellent well we will follow that very closely mark we will follow his um his his career and i'm sure he'll do outstandingly well if um if um, he has those combination of those excellent genes of, of the two of you that I know he has, that, uh, gee, sky's the limit there, Mark. Sky is the limit. So I think you're going to jump into the first news story before we, we do the reviews first. No, okay. uh, let's do let's do a few and, news um, stories and we can that. jump yep, into yep. some reviews. Oh, let's man. try that. Um, and I think the first one you had, um, unless you want to jump, me to jump no, no, into one, if I'm, you're not prepared. I'm not prepared, but that's never stopped me jumping in before. <laughs> um, it, Fire it's away. A, 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 I really was interested. In, I've actually took a little bit of, um, when I first uh, heard this news, um, it's been uh, um, in the uh, popular press, um, I was sort of a bit, oh, crikeys, they've picked up on something and just run with it, you know, without understanding exactly what's going on. But I was the one who was mistaken, Brendan. This is a genuine story about um, members of the uh, crocodilian family from uh, prehistoric times um, who uh, fossil records show uh, actually had... Um, teeth designed for uh, dealing with plants so that there are species of crocodilians um, who uh, did not have the cutting and tearing and gripping teeth that we see in our crocodiles today um, but they um, they had uh, you know the the more complex flat surface tooth that we uh, see in herbivorous animals that's designed to grind up plant material um, into a form that can be um, that can be, uh, you know, further digested by symbiotic bacteria in the gut. Um, so it sort of doesn't, you know, the crocodilians that we know today are such uh, um, uh, aggressive predators and hunters that we, it sort of runs very uh, counter to our vision of them, our expectation of them, to think that uh, that there might be particular ones that are um uh, vegetarian, uh, but I suppose that's not that much of a surprise when you look at um, chelonians, for example. There are certainly aggressively predatory turtles, um, and uh, similarly, um, those species which are, are perfectly happy to graze and have entirely a plant-based diet. Um, so I don't know that um, it's that big a surprise. And um, I was interested to read in this article, Brendan, that there was a in a, a colony, I think they were Nile crocodiles that were on a, a crocodile farm in Zimbabwe, um, they had formulated plant protein diets for those so that, uh, no, they were, uh, um, yeah, um, they were, they'd formulated uh, pellets of uh, various plant meals to feed the crocodiles and they reported that those crocodiles had fewer health problems and actually produced better skin um, than the uh, normally fed ones, so um, I, don't, I don't know that that maybe they're they're uh, they're more well designed to uh, deal with the proceeds of plants than we realise. And I think there's also comments in that article about them 
eating um, some of them snacking on plants. They're saying, aren't they? In um, the, the various alligators that they've um, or crocodiles that they've um, seen in the wild, um, they think not just accidentally taking plants. But yeah, um, and yeah, and it goes into a bit more detail about some of the um, the the anatomy of the teeth um, of them and the heterodonty, so the various types of um, different shaped teeth in the mouth um, of them. Um, that um, that indicates that they, they um, almost certainly didn't just eat meat, Mark. So yeah, meat and three veg for crocodiles, not just for um, not just for um, um, humans. Yes, and I, I thought it was a great great story that, and um, a really good backstory to it as well. Um, so yes, and what was the theory behind? But, but, behind the 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 vegetarian crocodiles dying out, Mark? Um, can you? Did you um, dig into that a bit deeper well, or not? They, the, in this article, it pointed out that it would appear that at the time of the end of the Cretaceous, when the the um, you know the the uh, meteor hit the planet and um, wiped out the dinosaurs, that was the last that um, that uh, the last record of the vegetarian crocodiles, um, and so there was. Um, it's not exactly clear why. Uh, the meat eaters survived and the plant eaters did not. Um, and that's where they thought, oh, maybe it's like an adaptation thing. Maybe um, some of the modern uh, crocodilians might retain some aspects that allow them to benefit from eating plants. I reckon that in those few hundred years, few thousand years after the asteroid built it into the earth, there might not have all been that much green stuff to eat, Brendan. I I think some of the the um, slower, larger vegetarian animals might have struggled um, and uh, an unfair advantage for, a, for a, a few millennia might have been given to the predators. Um, and, and I wonder whether that played a role in the vegetarian ones dying out. Yes. Well, again, it's another one of your excellent theories there, Mark, and they just keep coming, don't they? You're just full of it. You're full of them. You've said that um, for a number and, of years, Brendan, but I didn't realise what you meant. <laughs> yes. Well, my first news story, Mark, is about, and you'll have to help me with the pronunciation here, is do you call them jaguars or jaguars? Jaguar. Jaguar. Yeah, so a camera trap um, captures a rare high-definition photos of a jaguar in the wild. And um, the reason why this interested me, Mark, was because the pictures actually are quite spectacular and um, it also has a bit – it's a story from the Mother Nature Network, as usual, and um, it it goes a little bit about the background of jaguars and um, that um, just – Summarising that they're the third largest cat species and um, very hard to see in the wild, but not 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 just because there's not many of them around, but they are very very secretive. Mark and uh, I think it was a a um, images that were um, caught during an expedition, courtesy of World Wildlife Wildlife Fund um, France, where um, a photographer um, or a videographer went to French Guiana and um, managed to capture these images. Mark both um, video and, and photos of them and um, yeah um, because typically most of the photos of them in the wild have been 
pretty poor quality and not very um very um good definition and these ones are um very high definition pictures and um yeah they are spectacular animals is this a species you have seen in the it wild is not, Mark? brendan but but it is a very interesting article because I think that this particular branch of um, of photography, I know that at least um, two of the photographers I know in Australia, um, they they're actively building gear collections and uh, bits of equipment and experience with um, camera traps to um, you know rather than the 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 grainy black and white images uh, that maybe would be um, more typically associated with camera traps. Um, they're setting up yes. um, DSLRs and uh, and uh, um, various trip arrangements, light um, tripping, it, yeah, infrared. Um, and they're getting photos yeah. of bats and and uh, all sorts of nocturnal, very shy nocturnal animals, and and uh, just like these photos, at a quality um, that um, uh, you know sort of belies the fact that there's no one behind the camera pressing the button. So um, I found it a very interesting article and um, speaks to sort of a new genre of photography that um, that the photographer is uh, sets up but isn't there at the time the, the shutter is fired. Yes, well, maybe one day we will see that high-definition picture of Bigfoot, <laughs> Mark, um, or perhaps maybe we won't. Um, Yes. What's your second news story? Second news story. Oh, now I'm jumping around the agenda. We're going to go with, oh, yes, um, uh, um, the Anthropocene. Um, uh, this article by uh, Neville Ellis talks about um, the concept of ecological grief. I find this one, um, uh, well, uh, what's the right word? Fascinating. Many things fascinate me, but... Um, I don't know that I connected to this story, Brendan, um, because there are times I'm a you know me I'm a fairly upbeat sort of guy, um, but but there's no doubt that um, that the relentless uh, um, negative environmental stories, the the stories associated with um, changes to the planet and loss of ecology, um, the the uh, absence of action on climate change, the the impacts on the land and environment and the the uh, um, change, the number of species that are approaching extinction that we've talked about regularly on our podcast here, all these roll together and they have a range of negative mental health impacts on the people who contemplate them. Um, and these include the full range from, you know, just feelings of distress and despair and hopelessness all the way through to the most severe depression and uh, suicidal ideation and and even uh, uh, symptoms of uh, PTSD. So um, there has been an increasing area of research into this ecological grief that uh, looks at um, the the mental health impacts of uh, changes to our ecology. Um, and there's some specific examples. There was um, one that looked at uh, the uh, Inuit um, in Arctic Canada, um, which uh, looked at their, um, you know, the, the dramatic changes in in their um 
country in the way that and that had a direct impact on the way that they could uh, you know, uh, carry out their normal hunting their normal their normal social activities um, uh, and it was one of the the uh, uh, young men who uh, grew up hunting and trapping on the land um, uh, he explained that people who are not are not who they are they're not comfortable and they can't do the same things they've traditionally done if something is taken away from you you don't have it if a way of life is taken away from you because of circumstances you have no control over, you lose control over your life. It was interesting, I thought, um, that the Inuit were one of the the sort of case studies in this article because I think this would extend to almost all, um, you know, you could extend that to almost all Indigenous people, that their connection to land, and particularly here in Australia, it's a characteristic of, uh, of our Indigenous people that they uh, feel that um, connection to country, um, that um, that once country is taken away, either um, physically they're removed from it or um, the country itself is scarred and changed, um, uh, then then that's going to have an impact on their mental well-being. And, and even um, more modern Australians, the other example they used was um, the chronic drought conditions in uh, the West Australian wheat belt and the effect that um, that, that had on um, family farmers in that country. And, and it's amazing how consistent, how similar the emotional reactions are between the Indigenous people and, um, and uh, uh, the uh, intergenerational farmers. Um, I was interested in a new word, uh, solastasia, um, uh, is that solastasia, um, which is uh, a, a word that sort of implies that um, implies that sense of loss, um, homesickness, um, the the concept of nostalgia, um, but instead of um, looking forward to a previous time or a previous place, um, it's the sense that you're in a place that has changed and in particular the place is no longer healthy or doesn't doesn't any longer have a thriving ecosystem. Um, yeah. So what's the answer, Mark, or just we should all despair? Well, I, I, I do sometimes think that it is. I went through um, a little personal uh, passage of time um, a few months ago where I did I, I um, lost um, uh, I don't know I like I said I like to think I'm an uh, optimistic upbeat sort of person and and um, and I like to think that uh, that good things will happen but the tidal wave of negative things does sometimes tell on you I, I get a, a strong um, sense that yeah. Um but I yeah. but I I I do think um I mean we talked about our children at the beginning I think um we've got to have a sense that um that uh humanity has um a capacity to see the consequences of these actions that we that are happening around us and also has the um wisdom and 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 uh intelligence to uh, find a way around them. So I'm still hopeful, Brendan. I haven't given up hope entirely. Excellent. And I'm I'm always learning new words from you, Mark, and, and new theories and solastalgia. I think you pronounced that better than me. I, 
I thought that I thought that was the person who came third in Eurovision last year, but um, I was mistaken, Mark. And um, I've just found the paper for that that it links to in, in Australia's Psychiatry um, Journal, and um, I think I'll chase the. I'm looking at the abstract as I chat to you. Um, I think I'm going to download that and have a bit of a read and um, probably get very <laughs> depressed about things. But, um, at least you'll have a name and, for um, it. Enjoy. Yes, that's right. That's right, and um, that's what I'll be able to tell my therapist. Um, I have, and um, hopefully they'll um, they'll be as up to date as you are with the um, current happenings with things. Well, I'm going to talk about. Oh God, the dogs are getting restless, Mark. I might have to um, get you to chat for a second in a minute. Um, for a minute, in a second, <laughs> for a while, while um, while I pop them outside. But I just want to do one. Actually, no, I want you to do a review. Okay. And that, then that works. Can, um, and I'm going to put myself on mute and quit. And I'm going to put myself on mute and quickly pop the pop the dogs out. As as professional as we are, the show still goes on, um, even though I will be out of the room for two minutes. And um, you've got a review on a particular anaesthetic. I do indeed want to talk about sevoflurane. Um, sevoflurane is one of the volatile anaesthetics, um, and like many practices that have. Uh, you know, a significant portion of their work to do with birds or exotics. We have uh, several isofluorone vaporizers and we use it extensively. But we did have, uh, we have had experience with SIVO uh, quite a few years ago and we found it to be an excellent agent, but very expensive. And, uh, and so we have not used it for uh, seven or eight years, but we have a patient now um, who, uh, who, in my opinion, it's a rainbow lorikeet, and um, that particular bird develops a very significant apprehension. Needs to be anaesthetized for a health issue on a regular basis. Um, but when we uh, give it an isofluorine anaesthetic, it develops uh, a, uh, a significant um, arrhythmia. Um, and we think that arrhythmia is associated with um, its adrenaline and excitement at being anaesthetized. So we have returned. Yes. Good to have you back, Brendan. I'm back. So we have <laughs> um, returned to using sevoflurane, and um, and particularly for that bird. And so it's given us an opportunity to whack the sevo vaporizer on and uh, use it in a number of circumstances. And it's. Uh, and really, it's uh, cemented my opinion of the anaesthetic gas that uh, that I formed on our previous use, and that is that it is uh, an excellent anaesthetic gas, and its big advantage is it's a, a very slight odour that is relatively pleasant. And so one of the things that we think happens with our lorikeet and with many of our uh, repeat anaesthetic animals is uh, particularly birds who uh, may not necessarily be induced, they may be induced with a mask, um, is that uh, they recognise the smell and become very apprehensive about the uh, ensuing events, loss of consciousness and whatnot. So SIVO uh, seems to give us the opportunity to avoid that. And particularly with this rainbow lorikeet, that uh, certainly seems to resolve the likelihood that we're going to develop cardiac issues while under anesthesia. So that's great. But I have to say that um, 
that it is a very unique circumstance where it offers any significant benefit over um, isoflurane. There are very few other circumstances that I can say that there's a clear benefit to having the SIVO vaporizer and, and fluid available to us, and probably some negative potential consequences. Um, it does mean that the staff have to be conscious of the different percent concentrations that are required and the changes that are required to uh, ensure that the the animals stay anaesthetized. And it's very nerve-wracking because the percent concentrations of SIVO are um, a little bit over double what we would normally have for isoflurane. Um, so it oh. can be a bit scary to be thinking about those percentages. And obviously, the best anaesthetic to use is the one you're most familiar with. And if we're using it only intermittently, um, then it probably you're unfamiliar with the circumstances when things are not going well. So um, it definitely has some disadvantages. Um, and the cost, while it's not as expensive as it was seven or eight years ago, still much more expensive than isoflurane. Um, so I I, uh, I enjoy using it for the specific circumstance of the bird that we have. So we can anaesthetize that bird and treat it without worrying about its heart. Um, but I don't know that it's we're going to find that we replace all our isoflurane vaporizers with sevoflurane at this stage, Brendan. Yes. And is there any, I mean, you mentioned that you just change the vaporizer over and just unscrew the isofluorone one and put the SIVO one on there. Is there anything else you need to do to, um, you know, apart from obviously just flush it a little bit, are there any any do's or don'ts or you just literally just do that? Yeah, way we're, we're lucky to have each of, we've got five and six, six anesthetic machines and they all have um, that clip, you know, you just, flick a lever and it unlocks from the the uh, um, the oxygen delivery system and you just put it back on uh, flick the lever and it locks back in um, and seals into the the pathway that oxygen comes in so we can just slip the, slip them over um, we generally leave the sevo on one station because we just don't want you know, confusion about which vaporizer is going to be used. Um, but yeah, that's all. Don't have to do anything else. Flush with oxygen, make sure there's no mix of gas and just go with the new one. Go with the flow, as they say. Excellent. Well, yes, I have no experience with it, Mark, so I, I cannot comment. I was listening intently there well for the bit that i was in the way putting the dogs outside and um learning a lot well my my first few views is a simple one but it's one we use virtually daily mark and that's the plastic drapes that we use for our surgeries for unusual pets or exotic pets and it's a it's a livingston a brand um so plastic drapes and i'll have a link to it on vetgurus.com um, and I'm sure there are lots of different brands but basically it's just a sterile bit of clear plastic that you then just cut a little hole in and you place over your patient and you can see the whole patient and they're fantastic and you know I think they wholesale the prop or retail the pro, the price to us from our wholesaler is, is something crazy like you know 30 or 40 cents for a 60 by 45 centimeter drape and um I love them. I love them. I presume you use something similar, Mark. Uh, my only, my only, the only downside with them is um, because it's plastic. Um, you know, the fluids and that will run off often 
then down onto your shoe um, when you're when you're operating, and um, the potential co- concern with um, um, trying to maintain body body temperature and that um, we're having a plastic drape over the top of the animal. You know, we obviously have a heating our heating system underneath or wrapped around the animal as best we can. But um, I think you'll um, you know I don't know whether there's an answer to that um, with, with with these clear drapes that I, unless you had a warmed clear drape, which I don't think there'd be such a thing yeah do you use such we use exactly the same thing and and uh i can understand your enthusiasm for them because they um certainly make uh you know the our small patients when we're talking about um doing surgery on them whether it's the the birds or the mammals um it's very easy to get disoriented under a big green thick drape and your window um uh, through the the fenestration or the way that you arrange your drapes, it's very easy to lose track of what's going on with the rest of the animal, and particularly for the staff to monitor that anaesthesia. Um, they since we've started using those clear plastic drapes, um, they feel much more comfortable about what's going on with the rest of the animal outside of the surgical field. Yeah, it's great. It's, but you know, you you can see the whole animal. You can see them breathing. Um, you can see the the ventilator working if you're ventilating them, and and see those respirations happening. And 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 it's, it's so much. I was going to say relaxing, but it's so much um, more, so much easier, isn't it, to monitor the anaesthesia um, when you can see the whole animal just with that little that little hole. You and we buy them in packs of. 100 i think or, or 500 something like that because we we use so many of them those little i suppose that one of the downsides is it's plastic mark isn't it we're using up more plastic <laughs> oh, look i think um <laughs> we should uh, be trying to limit it i definitely have yeah. no there's circumstances you know we're working really hard to try and use less plastic in the world but i think um they're are certain things where there's a clear benefit to um to using it uh, and this is one of those ones where the benefit is just so huge and the outcome for the patient so much improved that, um, well, we'll just have to figure, figure out a way to recycle it, Brendan. Yes, well, funny you should say that. One of the reviews I have, which I only just thought of, so we might put it on next week unless I get a chance to chase it up while you're chatting, is a, um, a form of recycled plastic um, that's made into other things. But um, I won't chat about it at the minute. Maybe we'll leave it for another week there, Mark. My other, I, I do have one other review, Mark, and that's something completely different. It's a, it, it's a bit of software, um, a VPN or a virtual private network, Mark. Um, and the reason why I have this on there is I, I used it extensively when I was when I was travelling, and I also use it a bit, a fair bit. I don't know whether you use one um, when I'm out and about, and I'm using public Wi-Fi access points, which the classic one that you would be using would be a coffee shop um, or, or, a, or a, um, a little cafe that you log into their free Wi-Fi or, or even a, a hotel where they give you the Wi-Fi number, then um, I strongly recommend people consider using a VPN. And the good news with it is it's easy. Um, you literally just download a VPN application. Um, there are free ones out there that work quite well, but the the, the professional ones or the paid ones um are very slick with their um, with 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 the use of them. They're just sort of one button push on your app, and it says you're connected to the VPN, um, and away you go. So, why do you use a VPN? Well, two main things. One, one is, um, although 
technically it, it, um, not all VPNs have encryption, but that's the main reason why a lot of people use them. And then if you're out and about um, using public Wi-Fi um, and you switch on your VPN, it, it um, encrypts your, or mo- n- not all of them, but but most of them these days encrypt your data so you're not going to get um, sniffed and, and, and examined by somebody. And I'll, I'll tell you a bit of a story about this sort of thing um, a bit later with one of my other little... <laughs> projects mark um no no i think this is really interesting it's um it's certainly something that's useful for uh so many i will i will i will uh, it's probably a 10 minute discussion but i want to talk a bit about um um well maybe not this week but i want to because i want to go into a bit more detail but i want to talk about methods of um i did a uh, um it's Sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but I did an ethical hacking <laughs> course, Mark. Um, um, and I'll, I'll remind me. We'll chat about that in one of the one of the other podcasts. Um, so yeah, so um, it's definitely worthwhile using a, a VPN when you're out and about in these um, Wi-Fi hotspots that that you know anybody could be listening in there because it is remarkably simple actually not just easy simple um to be able to to um access um the data that's sort of going across and and intercept um data from somebody on their laptop to the to the router or the router as they call it in the uk um that's connected to the internet in the cafe um and you can then see everything the person's typing so you don't need to try and um do a fake website to get somebody's password because um it's 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 pushed through your pretend um, um, that the user thinks they're connecting to to the um, router and to the internet, but they're actually connecting to to somebody nefarious there, um, and they don't realise it. And then you you're getting a keylogger program, and you're getting everybody's you're everybody's keystroke. You're scaring um, me quite easily. But I'll go into a bit more detail at some other stage because. Um, um, Let's, let's just say, um, um, theoretically, if I tested this process out, um, it's amazing how quick, how um, how simple it works. <laughs> so I, I think it's a good idea to get a VPN and, and on your iPhone or, or your Android phone and, and your laptop. Do you and, need? Um, it's do you need to get very easy. one of those VPN apps for each device? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's easy, but it can be the same same app. Um, and you pay a, you know, if you're getting one of the paid ones, you might pay five or ten dollars a month. Um, get a yearly subscription is going to be cheaper than a monthly, and um, it, it might cover five or five or six devices. So to cover all your devices, yeah, with that one subscription, yeah. Um, and um, so, and the one, and the other reason why a lot of people get a VPN is for access in um, the internet in countries where they might have certain things banned, and and the the example that I obviously used it for was when I was travelling through China, um, where where um, Gmail doesn't exist in China and Google, you can't do a Google search because um, the Great Firewall, they call it, um, in China, and there's no Facebook, um, there's no um, Twitter. Um, but if you just switch on a VPN, then um, what a VPN does, and it stands for Virtual Private Network, is it um, the other thing it does? It 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 does a proxy set, setting, and it, and it makes it look like to the connection that you're not located where you are. So, for instance, I might be in Beijing, and I switch on my VPN, and I, I can select from um, 
regions that it makes it look like I'm somewhere else. So I, w- I would click on Hong Kong and it would um, um, the, the, the internet connection would be thinking that I'm actually in Hong Kong even though I'm in Beijing or I could click on Singapore or, 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 um, or San Francisco or, or wherever. Um, so then you, you'll be surfing the web like you would back home or, or so, somewhere so else. So the app, when you so, click on, so I, I'm, I'm, yep. I've, I must admit I've gone all hazy and I'm a bit scared and it's, it, I'm way out of my depth. Yes. But, so you've got your app. You've got, um, yep. I don't know, Safari or whatever uh, um, web browser. You uh, yep. press the the uh, the um, you know to access. You go to the VPN, VPN app, app first, and it just yeah yeah. So you just you just click click the VPN, click on VPN, um, yep. turn on the VPN, um, and it just says connected. Um, and <laughs> most of the paid ones anyway have a have a button where it just says auto connect and it will select the best server that has the quickest um, access time. So there is a bit of a, a lag or a delay. So you will slow down your surfing of the net a little bit and your file transfer, et cetera, because you're, you're routing your, um, um, through the, through these other servers. Um, so it's not going straight, you know, it's going through several yep. different computers. Um, and, if you then do a search and you do so, we, you know each each device has an IP address, internet protocol address. So if you if if you do just then do a Google search and say what is my IP address, um, and 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 it had automatically connected you to London as 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 your yeah. proxy server, um, then you'd say what is my IP address, and it would say London, um, even though you're in in Melbourne, Australia, um, or Tasmania, or, or the Antarctic. Um, so um, it 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 fools the um, it fools the internet into or or, or the servers um, or the connection to to saying you're somewhere that you aren't um, and bypasses thing as well as providing the the um, most of them provide the um, the security protocols or tunneling protocols I call them um, as well. Um, so it's the security plus the, the location bit. And people use them for, you know, um, for also getting access to the classic one that people use VPNs for initially was accessing Netflix in the US, in the USA from other countries. Um, so it would fool Netflix. You'd, lo- you'd turn on the VPN and, and, and put an address in for the US say Seattle or something, and um, then you'd log into Netflix and you could start an account and you could stream Netflix um, because it, it it otherwise it would say, no, you're in Australia or, or you're in Germany or, or UK or whatever and, and you're not allowed to um, stream Netflix or have an account because you're not a, a US um, location. I think um, this is oh, – it's so good to hear you talk about this and while uh, I'm um, fairly um, – like it's out. I'm out of my depth, but I know how important that security is, and um, and I think as veterinarians we have a lot of trust in uh, IT. We think everything's going to be okay, but as you say, um, it can be so easy for um, those uh, what we think of as relatively significant barriers to be broken down, and particularly in the circumstance um, there would be more than once where I've logged in to work from one of those uh, uh, cafes or hotels to catch up on some records. Records and um, and and I there is the exposure of uh, of that um, 
you know, the, our work, uh, the database at work to the wider web as a consequence. So I'm hearing you, Brendan, and I'm going to be looking for a VPN app immediately we get off the, the uh, podcast. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, it, it does get it. We'll chat about it in a, you know, we'll do it as a main topic, um, ethical <laughs> hacking <laughs> in, in in a future on podcast and I'll chat about a few other options there and, and ways to try and, you know, not panic and, and it's and, it, and it's doing things like um, a lot of the banking applications, so the apps you have on your phone for your bank um, are actually reasonably secure because you're not logging on via, you know, Safari or, or Microsoft. Um, um you know, or um, or um, what's what, Chrome, you know, or any of those sort of browsers. Um, so if you use an actual app made by the banking organisation, they're pretty secure. So um, if you're using them at a at a at a non-secure um, Wi-Fi spot, I think your chances are pretty slim that you could um, get hacked into there. Um, but yeah, it it is actually quite scary how simple it can be to 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 both view. You know who's who's sitting around you in a coffee shop and what computer they're on and what their IP address is, and then to and then there's a couple of <laughs> things you can do to, to to fool the system and to fool the um, computers and log them off and the from the internet connection and then log them back in and they think they're logged back in and they are logged back in but they're going through your PC your your laptop first before they hit the um, hit the internet and um, that's called a Oh, which it's called a man in the middle attack, um, and that's actually um, it should be called a person in the middle, shouldn't it? Not a man in the middle attack. Um, so you're sitting there, and it's going through you, and they don't realise um, the the router thinks they're sending um, information back to Mark's computer. Um, you, you do a search for for um, your basketball team, and it's been um, and you send the request for that, um, um, but it goes through my laptop first and then out to the internet and then it comes back um to the to the router and then through my computer back to you and you can do all sorts of things on the way through um either way um with either providing me with false information or if if you're clever enough and, and you've got the the software to do it then you can then you can potentially put a payload onto your computer um, by by um, tricking you into clicking on something that you shouldn't and downloading a little program that will then record all your keystrokes and send them straight back to me in real time. So hypothetically speaking, um, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I don't, you know. So it doesn't matter if you've got the best password manager in the world and you've got a twenty twenty um, digit password. You're going to give it to me because you're typing it there as you're logging into your bank in the cafe, and I'm seeing it come up on my screen. Oh yeah, you you are so, one scary dude, you know. So um, just just be careful when you <laughs> see me typing on my computer. Do you, do you have a particular? <laughs> but, is there uh, one particular uh, VPN app? Okay, yeah. So VPN, yeah. So 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 <gasps> don't panic about things too much, and we'll we'll go into a bit more detail maybe in another another episode but yeah the, the the one that's probably the most reliable the most um used um as well is one and it's just called express vpn and i'll put a link to it at the um Betguru's website slightly more expensive than the others but it's still only about 80 or 100 dollars a year for that one where you get about five or six um 
um, devices um, to access, and it's incredibly simple. and And it's literally a download the app, pay you know you can pay monthly initially if you want, um, and then you just click on install the VPN on your phone, and you just click active, you just click start start it and it starts it and it auto starts it and it and it logs in and away you go and as far as you're concerned then mark it you don't notice anything really you know you occasionally might notice a little slowdown in internet speed especially if you know you know coffee shop that's pretty slow anyway it might be even slower um using the vpn but as as, as far as um what you then do you just go about your business and you log into your basketball you know results and and your bank online and and in the in the um, and then you don't worry because you, you you know you've not only got that VPN but it's um, usually they're encrypted as well so all all the all the um, all the data going backwards and forwards is um, pretty safe not a hundred percent but it's pretty safe so you you know your chance of you running into into somebody nefarious sitting in the coffee shop and trying to get onto you and get your information is very 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 slim then you know they're going to choose an easy it's, um, target when when i first saw uh, vpn on our agenda i thought oh maybe it is virtual private networks that brendan's going to talk about but it's probably some you know veterinary practice management software network thing that he's actually going to talk about but i'm i'm just i can't thank you enough for making us alert because as vets we are pretty first of all, trusting, and secondly, we vastly overestimate our general IT skills, um, being the the, the uh, mavericks and, and self-determiners that we are. We do tend to overestimate our ability to manage these things. Um, so, yeah, I really value this has been an exceptionally useful exercise for me. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, it's showing off my bit of a nerdy streak there, Mark. And as you know, I have a bit of a background when I, I did a graduate diploma of computing and I was working part-time in IT for several years. So I've always had a bit of an interest with it. Um, yeah, so we have covered it this week um, mostly. But, you know, if we have any <laughs> questions from our listeners about it, we might turn into an, the, the, the Geek IT show as well, Mark. Um, but... Um, I think it's something that's worthwhile having, and, and they are dead easy to use, Mark. And um, um, you know, the one place that I'd suggest people think about um, think about using it is when they're at those public um, Wi-Fi spots, because they're the spots that you're going to get hit um, by somebody if 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 they're going to try and um, steal for some information or try and get something more nasty off you like you know bank account details or when you're you know doing transfers or something when you're in a cafe i mean ideally you know my advice would be you never do that sort of thing when you're on a public wi-fi um and, and wait till you're on home or or, um, or or definitely have that vpn turned on before you do it so yeah that was my second review we did have a few um other um news topics to cover mark but i, th- I think we've um almost covered an hour here mark so i think we might call it I love it. I, I love it the way the uh, outro man just hangs around your shoulders, like taps you on the shoulder. He wants to do his thing. He's he coming does. in, and you know, doesn't matter how much we've got to talk about, that outro man's going to kick us out. He is, and um, thank you all for listening. Hopefully, um, you didn't fall asleep during my little diatribe there, and. Um, you got some value out of our news stories and, and perhaps out of the um, reviews as well. And we'll talk to you all next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again. See you next time.